So welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show. Today we have got a special guest and great friend, Mr. D. Ludlow, who, if you're watching the video of this on YouTube, is currently living the high life with uh, Dubai in the background, the skyline. I'm not sure if that's the fountains in the background or not. Is that the fountains? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enough said. So, um, D, I had the pleasure of getting introduced to in Dubai. So he um, is a whiz and master of all things in terms of investments, crypto, uh, and general knowledge and as soon as I met Dee we clicked and got on like a house on fire because he has exactly the same growth mindset I do and um, work ethic so like having an insight into Dee's mind and what's helped him to get him to the position he is now in life where he teaches loads of people about what he does uh, which we'll come on to later in the podcast um, I'm sure will be invaluable because you've got an interesting background from all the different things you've done in different businesses and stuff so uh, we'll go through that a little bit in here so thank you very much for jumping on D. Mate it's a pleasure absolute pleasure. Um, so first question for you as a, a serial entrepreneur and all the different things you've done how what was your very first business I'm, I'm just curious. Could, um, did, before we go into that just list all the businesses you've had and all the different things you've done. <laughs> I can't remember all of them, but uh, my first <clears throat> business, when I was in school, I used to um, basically wash dishes down in a local restaurant and then wash cars on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then I'd wash cars on Saturdays and Sundays because I wanted to save for my first car. And then um, somebody that I knew in, the, in like, the local village asked me to sort of landscape their garden. Is it? <laughs> so I called a friend and said, let's do it. And I made more money over that sort of week, I think it was. So I thought, oh, let's start a gardening business. We can make money whenever we want. So I wouldn't say it's my first official, like official, official business, but that's sort of where I had the mindset of, you know, people are willing to pay for services. So why I, I wanted to take all of the money instead of sort of working for somebody else. And then from there, I um, dabbled in a few different things. So supplement shops, um, barber shops, um, was through the early ones, I think it's supplement shops, barber shops, and yeah, there was a sort of the early um, sort of businesses to start understanding um, the entire process of a business and understanding what you needed to do to scale. So with the barber shop, we ended up opening quite a few, and then we wanted to franchise it. And when I spoke to someone who was basically going to help us franchise it. I started to realize all the systems and processes that needed to be in place to make that happen. And obviously you need to hit certain revenue, et cetera. So yeah, I, th I think that when it comes to the mindset similar to yours, being ambitious and taking action, you end up learning things anyway, because you have no choice. So you make decisions and then you follow the, the decision through and the people that you need to talk to end up teaching you something that you can take on and use again. So yeah. hundred percent. And then I know some of the other interesting random business. You said you had a meal prep business, a clothing company. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So after this, then um, <laughs> it goes on. Yeah. So the meal prep business, yeah, and a clothing company. Um, clothing company was just sort of um, like street fashion, um, which again I learned new things there. Had to sort of travel to the factories and stuff, so I learned new things about that. And the meal prep business, it was um, something that we wanted to scale into. Um, so. The company that owned the shop and centers was Landsec. And we wanted to, um, we spoke to one of the national managers and said, look, we want to take this business model into all your shopping centers. And I think there's around 16 around the UK. Um, they actually went into administration through COVID. Um, but they, um, 
so they was behind the business model and so again had to learn new things so yeah i sort of yeah just looked at many different avenues and i just i think you take you know you some you win some you lose but either way you learn a lesson 100 one thing i think is fascinating about this is the confidence you have within yourself is that something you've always had um i've always because most, most people yes. are afraid sorry to cut you off most people are afraid almost i think to to take that leap and to like go and do their own thing they'd rather have stuck with like the postal round and like do you know what I mean delivering newspapers and things like that because it's, it's safe and stable and people always need their newspapers yeah i think um yeah i've sort of always had like a uh that sort of yeah that confidence to at least start something um hmm, i'm not sure where i come from i've been very competitive my whole life um yeah, I've done a lot of sport and stuff so that's probably helped but yeah I've always had the confidence to just get up and go and because of the few first few things I was really interested in when I was younger one was music and the other was basketball and both of those sort of I was against all odds one being from Wales with basketball um you know I had aspirations of sort of going to play college ball in America which eventually managed to speak to someone that could offer me a half scholarship um but i didn't end up going my dad sort of put the fear into me of you know it's a very short-lived career and, and you're not going to make it to the nba but that sort of stuff um made me just want stuff more and then again music sort of against all odds especially being in the uk at the time so because i had a lot of um i don't know I, a lot of people saying a lot of things and stuff you know because you, when you're from a small town it's hard to sort of bring that broader mindset out of people and you know it's, it's it's not entirely their fault because of the surroundings and environment you get brought up in so i feel that because of that environment if i did something that was sort of out of the norm it's sort of looked down upon and like you know you're dreaming and so but that sort of just made me want to just go harder really and i never really cared about sort of you know keeping up with the joneses and all that type of stuff i just wanted to just do me and i didn't really care if i dressed different if i liked different things I just got used to it. So I think that helped me then um, really not care about trying new things because I sort of overcome it as a kid. And a lot of it was really hard. I used to have days where I was upset because I used to get people call me and, you know, say stuff on the phone, not say who they was, just to try and, you know, really run you down because you're doing something that other people aren't. And then when you get some form of success, those same people, uh, they, you know, they, they want to be a part of it then. So, yeah. It's funny you say that because I've said this a few times that um, like when I first started doing what I was doing, I got a lot of kick, like pushback from people who were very close to me. Some a lot who didn't even know me who like, who don't like it when they see people trying to change and improve themselves, almost trying to step out of their lane into a new lane. Um, what would your advice be to anyone who is in that situation where maybe people are trying to hold them back or put them down? Because obviously this is something you've experienced. Yeah, so one thing that um, my dad said to me when I was younger was, um, which is a, is a known saying, is, you know, he said, the only difference to where you are today, uh, to where you will be in five years is the books you read and the people you meet. Um, and back then, I probably didn't really understand it. I was probably, um, I wasn't mature enough to understand what I really meant. And I think that the quicker you forget about what people are thinking, and it is really hard because that's the sort of world we live in, you know, when you leave school, so for those who are younger, it's a bit different, but for those who are like, you know, into their 20s, mid-20s and beyond, there's very little people from my old school that I used to sort of hang around with on a day-to-day -day, day -day basis that I even speak to now. And it's not because 
we've fell out or anything. It's just you outgrow people um, and they choose different paths in life. So it's very unlikely that you're going to keep the same friendship circle five years on, five years on and five years on. So the people that you're um, not taking action with things because of those people, they're going to be irrelevant in the next few years or sooner in your life, especially when you start taking these steps. So I would just say, the quicker you can forget about that, the better. You know, there's, you have to make sacrifices. You need to ignore instant gratification because, and that surrounds us at the moment on social media and it is one of the hardest things. But, you know, I would just forget about everything and just focus on you because when you start building a family and you start maturing, you're going to realize none of those things mattered anyway. 100%. I think it's... Um one of those things like it's a saying I, I i say a lot and i think a lot is like people are either on the boat or they're not on the boat like you're either fucking coming with me you're not coming with me if you're not coming with me then like see ya like i'm going like off to the sunset we go um and i think people need to be very decisive in that point i think that's something people um struggle with a lot you, you brought up something there that was interesting i was going to ask you so um you mentioned becoming a father and a parent how did that change your mindset in a lot of respects I think it changed more of my risk management <laughs> more than anything. So I'm, you know, I believe when you're young, you should take more risks because, you know, the bigger the risk, usually the bigger reward and you do learn a lot. So I always have the mindset of, you know, you either win or learn, you never lose. So when I started building a family and, and when I become a father, my entire risk appetite changed. So I would still take high velocity sort of um, risks but at the same time I used to manage my risk a lot better because I've, I've got responsibilities and it's not just myself that I need to provide for so it just I think it made me more mature across the board really on everything that I decided and and it really sort of was like a kick up the arse to say you know you, there's no more sort of messing around you have to make this happen now because you know the time flies and you know <laughs> it really does and it definitely made me more mature. I think it's one of those things once you know suddenly uh, you're responsible for other people's lives mm. it then is a game changer and then like in from like a business perspective like I employ a few people now like when you get to that point you're like yeah I'm paying for like all their kids to like eat or whatever when you think about it in like basic terms you're like yeah you need to make sure this shit works like this this ship's yeah. not going down so you got you got to keep <laughs> going do you know what I mean so um yeah. It's one of those expressions. I think you just need to be all in and go for it. I think too many people try and like they dip their toe in something. If you dip your toe in it, you'll get smashed by everyone else who's diving straight in like head first. Oh, hundred percent. And I think like you made a good point there about the um, when running a business um, because you are you are paying people's mortgages, you are um, paying putting the food on the table, and that that's that's a big responsibility. So I think that. As, it, as important as it is to sort of venture out and take that sort of leap into business, it does come with responsibility. I think that some people sort of jump into business like because it looks like all, you know, it all smelling the roses when there's a lot of hardships involved in entrepreneurship and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it as well. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... People often only look at like one side of the coin. It's like people want to get shredded, but they don't want to like, they don't want to do the cardio. They don't want to stick to the diet. It's like, you can't have one without the other. Like <laughs> if you, you can't have the, the pluses without the negatives and you have to put in the work to get the end result. Um, yeah. And I think that's where people, you must see it obviously with your, your background in crypto and investing and stuff that we come into that people don't want to do 
like maybe the research or like the recon work almost they just expect to throw money into something and see uh, see it work yeah and i think as well when it comes to health um i think it's something that people do disregard and it's something that i think whether you're you know in a job or business this, this one thing that i um i talk about quite a lot is i find it crazy how if you was on the way to a meeting but that had money attached to it we would skip a meal to make sure we're on the, at the meeting on time. But if you have a meal planned in and you should, and you, you would quite still, you, you, sorry, you wouldn't skip the meeting for the meal, but you would skip the meal for the meeting. And I think that it's really important that health needs to be at the forefront. So whether you do want to get shredded, whether you want to have a balanced, balanced diet or whatever it is you're doing, I think it's so important to actually factor in the importance of health as well as business jobs and making money because they come hand in hand. If you haven't got your health, you can't go to do your job. You can't run your business. You can't do all those nice things you want to do with the success that business or a job brings if your health isn't right. So like the fact, obviously, we're on this podcast, I, that's, I'm really passionate about that. And I, I neglect it myself a lot of the time. And I kick myself for doing it because you, know, you, you experience stuff in your family where people have gone through certain things and you think, you know how important it is, but we still disregard it, even, if, even when we know. And I think that's so important. I think it's often the things that are the most obvious that are right in front of us that we sometimes need someone to slap us in the face and tell us. Yeah. And it's only almost when, like, once someone gets, like one of my favorite questions to clients when they get uh, insane results with us, which they all do, is that like, what was the trigger point for you? What, what was this, like, why, why did you reach out? Why were you suddenly like, like I've had enough, like, I need to change. Like, what what was that point? Because there's always something for everyone, and uh, something I talk about when I was younger. And actually, I speak to a psychologist on like a monthly basis, just trying to optimize the way I think, become less of a robot, become a bit more emotional with stuff. And one of the things that we've delved back down into is actually interesting. When I was younger, I used to be overweight, and I overheard my parents talking about that, and that was very much a trigger moment for me. Mm. There's probably something that's psychologically stuck in my mindset and it's then probably made me very driven in the opposite respect to try and not be in that place again and i think everyone in life has a a trigger a trigger effect of something um and i also think it's important that people don't get comfortable like i heard a story on another podcast actually i have interest about um some dude in new york who's like runs a massive massive business he flew somewhere into europe to like organize some sort of merger um and he made hundreds of millions on it absolutely crushed it and then he flew back to new york so but instead of going on his private jet he sacked, sacked off the private jet he went domestic uh like not domestic he went on like a, a normal carrier jet like you know, delta airlines whatever uh in economy class to london and then changed to go to heathrow to make himself uncomfortable to make him realize like you're not billy big balls still like you like yeah. just to make himself feel a bit of pain and uncomfort which i think in some respects we all need in life just to keep us grounded and i think that's very important for everyone because i think um like you're not definitely in this category and neither am i mm. but like you see some people get a little bit of success and they go off the rails crazy with it which i imagine in particular in trading you must have seen oh yeah and i think as well like you just mentioned so where you talked about um maybe you struggle with your weight when you was younger when people see you now and look like how you do now, people don't realize the the journey you took and the hardships you would have overcome to sort of look like what you do now. And I think it's the same in all aspects of life. People, everything looks like an overnight success when it's, when it's there. 
but it does take a lot of hard work and time and dedication as well. So yeah, definitely. Now coming into a bit more into your speciality niche in terms of in investments, crypto, how did you first start, get start, sorry, get started in this world? Um, so my dad is actually a, a financial advisor. So when I left school, um, I, my first thing I, I was meant to do based on my dad <laughs> was I was going to uh, train to be a mortgage advisor. So I started to research the CMAP and the FPC. I'm not sure what they're called now. Um, and I was so obsessed with like basketball, boxing, music. I sort of took the entire opportunity for granted. So I started having some base knowledge on how this works. I went on a rich dad, poor dad, poor dad seminar when I was around 15. So I started to understand this is back when, you know, no redemption mortgages, credit card deposits on houses, <laughs> the, the fun days. Um, so, but I was too young at the time. So I started to get the knowledge and start reading, but I wasn't really executing the knowledge. I was just doing what I wanted to do. I was probably too immature at the time. So that's how I started. And then I, the, the financial markets really interested me because I was too young to invest in property um, in my own name. So to me, it was like, okay, let's move to uh, the stock market. So even though I wasn't sort of heavily in it then, that's when I started really looking into it. Um, and then a cousin, my cousin's really invested in the stock market. So again, I used to have chats with him. And yeah, it just started, my interest started picking up over time. But I always used to get fascinated by economics and how the world works and yeah how the sort of economic machine works as Ray Dalio would say so that's really drawn my attention towards how the macro side of investments affects these different assets and things that we invest in so that's a long time ago <laughs> something that is incredibly interesting about that is the fact you started that you said you started that when you were 15 so mm -hmm. we know what you're saying earlier about overnight success and there's something I don't know if you've heard of the 10,000 hour rule Whereas yes. like if you want to be like a master or a pro at something, it generally takes about 10,000 hours to get there. Like I'm pretty sure you spent more than 10,000 <laughs> 10, hours learning about this. Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so this is, yeah. The proof is in the pudding in that one, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Would you say, for example, because this is something that I, I massively agree with, um, hence why I'm very strong in coaching and all aspects of life. Like I'm like my life has really accelerated um, the last few years because I've very much become a product of coaching. And now whenever I want to learn something, then I will just find the best person I possibly can on that specific sub subject to become like a sponge. And then I'll just learn incredibly fast. Um, so that's why I think coaching is truly life-changing in, in anything you want to learn or become the best at. Is that something that you've, uh, that's got you to the level you're at now? Yeah, I've spent yeah, I've spent a lot of money on myself, investing in myself. Um, so, along with time, and I think that the reason why I invested so much into myself when I wanted to learn property and different things like that is because I was buying myself time with the knowledge I, I was paying for. So rather than me go out there where I sort of already had a bit of a base knowledge because it's something that I had already covered previously. Um, and it's something that you, I could access online if I spent enough time doing it and meeting people. But I thought, okay, I can spend probably the next year to 18 months meeting different people and researching stuff online and trying to find the stuff that is real because there's a lot of stuff that's nonsense. Or I can just pay someone that I know is actually doing it and find it out in uh, very little time. And then I can start executing and taking action quicker. So everything that I've ever wanted to learn, that's how I've done it. And even 
up until recently. Like, oh, I'll continue to invest in myself because you're always outgrowing what you're doing and there's always going to be someone out there that you can learn off. I don't care how and what level you're at. Like Elon Musk walks into a boardroom and takes advice off people from different parts of the different moving parts of the business because he doesn't specialize in everything. So I think that it is important to invest in yourself and regardless of what it is you know, what it is you own, time will always be the most valuable commodity that we have because without it, you can't do anything. So your time, making use of your time efficiently, I think is the most important thing. So for me, buy, I'm buying time by investing in myself and paying someone to tell me how to do it rather than try and go out there in the, the big world and just research everything because you'll find a lot of stuff doesn't actually align with what you're doing when you start doing it. The million dollar question is what, do you, what happens even worse with investments is if you spend six to 12 months trying to do something and going in the wrong direction. Well, you're losing investing time. And there's, um, there's actually a chart that I usually um, run through on one of my presentations and it's the ROI chart of investment time lost. If an investment goes one direction, how long it takes to recover. And it's surprising how much time you can lose just by losing 10%, 20%, 50%. People think because you lose 50% that you need to pull back 50% to get that back. Now, if you're, if you're averaging a 10% ROI per year and you lose 50%, then it's common knowledge how much time investment time you're losing. So by making the correct decisions on where you learn and where you research will save you so much time and money. And is it, I know it's a quote that everybody says, but they say that you pay for your education one way or another. So you either pay for it by paying somebody to tell you it, or you go out into the world, take action, lose money, and that's your lesson. And then you know not to do it. So yeah, it's, 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 you just got to choose which one you want to do. <laughs> it's one of those things like everything in life is a decision, whether you do it or not. Like it's often, and in a lot of respects, like um, probably more the older you get in life, one of the biggest things you learn is actually saying no to more things. Because when you mm -hmm. say yes to one thing, you're saying no to a thousand things. So often, like, you need to learn to say no to a lot of stuff, which is what I try to do to a lot of things now. Um, because not only, like you said, in terms of your time is the most valuable asset you have, but also your attention, because you can only stay focused on a certain number of things. Um, and you don't really want to spread yourself too thin um, across your life, and particularly in a position where you, you've got a family, hopefully I will do soon. Uh, that'll be, and that, that's the reality, that you've only got so much time and energy and so many decisions you can make on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that's why they say, you know, I think is um, they say billionaires that only make one or two key de decisions a day and people can't come to them with stuff that doesn't matter to them. And it does matter in the grand scheme of things, but not for them. They employ people to do those roles because I think um, I read that, you know, the brain only produces so much glucose per day. And that's why some of our you know, not so good decisions are made in the evening. So I think that it's important to yeah use your time effectively and only make real key decisions on stuff and don't try and take too much in. And what you said about um, saying no, I think as an entrepreneur, it's probably the hardest thing to master is saying no. <laughs> but it works. 100%. Um, on the talk of brain function, actually something slightly off topic, I've tried recently something called cytochylene, uh, mm. which I got recommended because I tend to find towards the end of the day my 
focus tends to crash off. And I've noticed that may, makes a big difference in terms of keeping you more focused. So for anyone listening, that'd be something I would check out. Mm. Um, so go back into a slightly different topic, cryptocurrency D. So this is, uh, I probably badge you about on a daily basis. Mm. When, when did you first hear a cryptocurrency? Probably um, around, I, have, I heard of it a long time ago. I can't remember the exact date, but it started piquing my interest in 2016 slash 2017. But I didn't fully understand it back then. You know, I was sort of more bullish on Ripple because I understood what Ripple was trying to, or XRP, what they were trying to do. Now, back then, when everyone was buying Bitcoin, I think that the early adopters, developers, and coders really understood what this was doing and the people that was in it from, from early days. But most other people, even you know, savvy investors, didn't really know what this was going to become or what it was really going to do. And I think that, yeah, the sort of the pandemic has acted as a catalyst for the emergence of blockchain and crypto. So yeah, so yeah, go, so I went off on a tangent then. Yeah, so going back, I would say that's when it really piqued my interest. But then start of 2019, I really went down the rabbit hole because I was like, things are changing, especially in our financial system. And um, seeing that, you know, sort of monetary policy has been abused for years and years and in, yeah, very badly over the last 18 months. So then I, it was sort of when macro and crypto crossed together. Um, yeah, so the macroeconomics and crypto, for those that um, don't understand sort of the macroeconomic side, that's when it was like, yeah, I get it now. So yeah, that, that was a lot, long answer. <laughs> um, for anyone who doesn't quite understand, how would you define cryptocurrency and blockchain? Not to give a Wikipedia answer, but to, to give a, a synopsis. So the easiest way I would say, so blockchain, it's hard to say in like a really short um, answer, but blockchain is sort of the technology that is going to allow, it's like a technology of speed. So where we have a lot of real world problems, mainly in our banking system, global supply chains, um, this probably across the board, you know, even like real estate, every single problem that um, we have in the majority of industry, blockchain as technology can solve it with speed and and transparency. And I think that it's very much needed in the world. So, you know, even if we go back to something that's very relevant right now, which is, you know, the Seaspiracy documentary on Netflix. So can you imagine we, they show you on there that they're selling sort of tins of tuna and people don't really know where they're coming from and is it unethical, et cetera. Well, blockchain can track that on the blockchain from where it was caught all the way up to when it's labeled on the tin. That's just one example to try and get people's heads around it. So it solves world problems of speed and transparency. And I think that the emergence of blockchain since COVID, is, is, is it was already in sort of, um, a growth phase, but it's grown exponentially over the last 18 months because people are understanding that, okay, we can adopt this in the real world. And as you can see, mainstream adoption has gone parabolic. <laughs> Everyone's involved. The, it's fascinating you bring up the Seaspiracy thing because I actually watched that last night mm. and it just reiter reiterates to me how much bullshit there is in the world of literally, you can't fucking trust the government's health organizations governing bodies i'm not going to covid but like this shit don't stack up like no. like the there is you just can't trust what you're told 
Um, and I, even I, th- I remember you saying this to me, it really stuck in my mind. Like, you, remember you told me a story about when you um, went to Pakistan and with your clothing company. You want to say that, yeah. to explain that? So, yeah. So when I went to the, the factories in Pakistan and we went to, was, obviously our brand was called Mondor. So it was, a, it was a French name, meaning world of gold or gold world. And, you know, in sort of the world of fashion, having made in Pakistan doesn't usually look good on products. People, you know, we, we were sort of trying to be a luxury streetwear brand. And I remember the factory, um, I remember picking actually a sample up in the factory. I'm not going to say the, the company. Um, and it said, I think it's a made in Italy, but yeah, that, that, that's for that product it said made in Italy. I had others, it was others like made in London. I was like, how come it says this? Cause I thought it was, it was a big thing around this when I was sort of learning the fashion industry that the transparency and where things are made. And they're like, you just tell us where you want us to say is made from the fact that yours is a French name. Why didn't you say made in Paris? And I was like, well, can we do that? And, and they was like, yeah, but we ended up sticking to made in Pakistan in the end. So I just thought. You know, people have seen me on my social media out there and <laughs> I didn't want to, you know, I want to keep it transparent. But yeah, it's a crazy world we live in. And like you just said about that documentary, this, I think this is, again, going back to crypto, whereas, you know, I am a crypto bull, right? I'm very bullish on crypto, but just for the listeners, I always challenge my opinion. So I'm, I don't ever look for confirmation bias. I always challenge the opposite opinion and my mind and my thoughts on something can change at any given point because I consistently challenge it. I definitely don't try and get sucked into the sort of confirmation bias. But bringing this back to crypto again is, so we're in a world now of, there's a lot of deception and, you know, and there's not a lot of transparency. So when you look, bring this back to banks, and I think this is where you start understanding the use case of even just Bitcoin without the entire ecosystem of crypto. Being able to be your own bank and actually own your money. I know this sounds crazy because people think they do, but the fact of the matter is the second, I'm not sure where all your listeners are from. I I assume they're worldwide, but if we just say the UK, for for example, the second you deposit your money into a UK bank, they become the legal owner. And then you can, if you want to dive deeper into this and look at the fractional reserve banking system and how uh, money gets abused and, sort of expanded into the, the, the economy. This is where we actually have a chance to pull back some of our one privacy, two transparency, and three actual ownership. And, you know, the world is definitely going away from our own individual ownership. And this has given us a chance. And that's why, look, it does need to be regulated because something can't exist and stay and stay here in existence if there's no regulation behind it because that's the world we live in. But the reason why there's so much um, sort of things that are up in the air around sort of Bitcoin, it's the easiest thing to explain, is because of the decentralization aspect of it. And yeah, it is getting more centralized um, with mainstream adoption, but because it's decentralized and because there's no jurisdiction, because there's a limited supply, they can't continue to abuse monetary policy if we did have a Bitcoin standard. Now, I'm not saying we're going to have a Bitcoin standard, but I'm saying if we did, then they can't then keep increasing the money supply because the, the, the supply is limited. There's no jurisdiction. So if the UK banned it, you could then spend it in Turkey or Iran or, you know, I know a lot of these countries I'm naming have said they're going to ban it. But my, my point is you can, you can now, if one person bans it, someone else will endorse it. 
And this is where it gets really interesting. So I think that this is now more than ever with the deception, the lack of transparency and the lack of ownership in the world that we have today. I think this is why governments and central banks feel is such a threat. But on that note, none of them have said, well, some governments have, but central banks are more, look, look, we're going to create our own digital currencies, but Bitcoin's here to exist and stay, which is obviously a good sign. Yeah, I think it's... um it's very much giving the power back to the people in some respects. And I think it's a shift of um, balance almost, which I think has been needed for a long time because I think the whole system's just too jacked up and corrupted from everything, from the, the money system to lending to, as you said, in terms of what we're talking about, the seaspiracy situation. For anyone who hasn't watched it, I highly suggest watching it. Um, mm. It really just makes you question everything. And one of the things... I keep saying this to my mom to be fair, is like people need to learn to think for themselves and not just believe everything you're told or what you read in the media, what the newspapers say, or what the government tells you, because too many people believe the government is there to look after you and protect you. And like the reality is I don't necessarily think that's the case. There's a lot of alternative agendas out there and you need to educate and inform yourself and have your own opinion is my, my opinion. Yeah, I agree. You know, there's, there's, is many things that we could look at and use as examples of history that governments and central banks don't have our best interest at heart. So, you know, and this is going through history. Like if you did look and take a deep dive into the history of money and banking, the amount of times this has been misused and abused is unreal. And, you know, like I don't want to de- dive deep into that right now. I'm a bit of a sort of a historian of money and I enjoy it. But if you do look at, um, the history of it, you'll find so many um, flaws and very deceptive things that's been done by central banks over the years. Yeah. Where, from that side of things, how do you see the current situation evolving almost then with um, cryptocurrency being integrated into the financial system going forward? Because I, I, from my understanding, my limited knowledge of cryptocurrency, I don't think Bitcoin is going to be used really for a transactional but purpose greatly will be probably some of the other currencies what's your opinion on that yeah i think that we're going to see obviously the cbdc's which are central bank digital currencies i think every economy in the world um is working on one so i think that that's that's what we're going to use as our day-to-day spending which a lot of pros and cons come with that so for instance the uk are you talking about a britcoin and this isn't sort of, I know the media has been talking about this a lot lately, but their first press release on this was um, January 2020 when they were talking about a digital currency or a cryptocurrency. So, you know, when you look at that, so that's, well, 18 months ago, roughly, and they're still working on it. Uh, there's, and, and I know a lot more goes into making a sort of digital currency for, for a country, but there's young kids all over the world knocking up um, crypto projects in, in a substantially shorter period of time. So it sort of shows you that um, there's more going to be going into the, the, the central bank digital currencies. And th- when I say there's going to be pros and cons, so the pros are going to be is going to sort of increase the speed of transactions, but it's also going to have total control over transactions. Um, and that's why there's a need for, say, privacy coins, because they can affect you directly um, as an individual. So let's say 
you know, this is something that uh, a guy called Raul Powell talks a lot about on Real Vision, which is, if you haven't heard of him or listened to him, I definitely listen to him. He talks about how it's the rise of behavioral economics. So we're already seeing it on sort of social media where people pay to show you stuff on your timeline and based on your behaviors, they'll show you what, you know, aligns with you. So this, how this works with digital currencies is if you're, say, um, someone who's coming into retirement and they, you're someone saving your money and using it to get by and they want your money back in the system because you're saving it, then they could lower your interest rate directly because they want you to spend the money or put it into something. Whereas if you're a student and they want you to save, then they could increase your interest rate directly. And then this sort of aligns with, um, with the blockchain where they could sort of have one ledger with digital ledger, which they have your e-wallet on which, So that's your money, your health passport on maybe vaccine passport, whatever they do with those. But I mean your health passport. So your entire health records, and then they could have your, um, also there's going to be tax automation. So, you know, you could be automated your taxes instantly as you earn or just straight automated. So it does take a lot of, um, yeah, it, it takes over with control massively. And, you know, this isn't sort of a conspiracy theory that I've knocked up myself. If you do a lot of research, every single person, country is working on this and is all of those things are going to come along with it. So I think that crypto, as we would talk about, like Bitcoin, Ether and all the other um, projects, they're going to be integrated into the system. But like you said, um, Bitcoin may not be used as a transactional asset but more of a store value, which is hard to say right now because it's definitely still in price discovery and obviously not every single Bitcoin is in existence. So it's hard to say that it's a store of value right now. If you want to look at it as a store of value, it's a pretty good one because it keeps going up. <laughs> so, yeah. What um, On that note, what do you think is like this wild speculation in terms of what the prices of Bitcoin could rise to over 12 months? three years, five years, would you hazard a guess that it could end up into seven figures at some point or? Yeah, I think that the fact that there's a limited supply, like even now, like there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin. So already not every million in the, millionaire in the world can own one. So the, even just that alone, and you're seeing now, you're seeing hedge funds, you're seeing big corporations in the S&P 500, picking up Bitcoin and putting it on their balance sheet. So the fact that people are already endorsing it, already picking it up, you know, hedge funds need a lot of it. You know, if people are trading it, they need to be dabbling in it. And this is just the way things are going. So it wouldn't surprise me if it does reach those sort of astronomical numbers over a period of time. This cycle, um, I'd say I'm very conservative to say 75 to 100K is a very conservative sort of prediction um it could well go further on and this cycle could end very differently and this is another thing so we look at stock to flow which is sort of um a good indicator to go off one that people like to to you know um speak about but we do only have two data sets to go off where we are today so yeah if we follow the last two data sets we can come up with a fairly accurate ish prediction but Never in the last two cycles did Bitcoin have this much um, institutional and mainstream adoption. So I think that there's a lot that could go on and it has sort of a predetermined code. 
with the halving, which, you know, it's going to be hard to explain all of this right now. But so every 210,000 blocks, the price and reward of mining Bitcoin gets cut in half. So that's why we usually see parabolic surges in crypto um, on specific dates. Um, but yeah, I think that this time, look, it could go exactly the same way, but it's definitely good to keep an open mind because with mainstream adoption, it could be different. And the reason why I say that is the FX markets trade four to five trillion dollars a day. Bitcoin, that's not, not the entire crypto market, but Bitcoin has passed a trillion dollar market cap. But just the fact that it's just past a trillion dollar market cap is easily manipulated, especially when we see that institutional adoption in it. So I think people do need to be mindful of where this could go. But like, yeah, we, we could see, definitely see seven figures in, um, in the next five to 10 years. So if you have any Bitcoins, probably worth holding on to then. <laughs> <laughs> Not financial advice, but buy Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, you know, talking about like investments and, and um, gaining knowledge and getting confidence in this, like, would you say for most people who are probably listening to this, they're probably obviously probably rousing their interest. Um, where would you tell them to start in terms of getting their own confidence? I presume like learning, doing their own research and then before just jumping in. I, I definitely understand, try and understand it. And the best place to look is if you go to bitcoin.org, you can download the Bitcoin white paper. Some of it you won't understand, so don't worry. You don't need to understand it. You don't need to become a computer scientist or a coder, but it's nine pages long and it gives you a brief overlay of what Bitcoin is and why it exists. Then I would start to look at stuff like Real Vision with like Raul Pal and the whole Real Vision team on YouTube, give out some really good free content um, to get your understanding of how this is affecting the financial system and the entire world going forward. And then once you have a good idea, then you could look into it. And I'm not saying you need to go and look, do this over months and months on end, but you'll, you can pick this up very quickly if you start. Just start by li listening. If in the, the, you know, the, the immediate short term, if you did want to sort of dabble in crypto, then stay in sort of the blue chip cryptos like your Bitcoins, your Ethers, just because they have stood the test of time more than some of the new ones, which are more volatile, but you have a lot more upside in those as well. But don't turn this into a casino. Don't turn it into a gamble just because your next door neighbor in, has found a new crypto project and someone's messaged him on WhatsApp. You know, there's a lot of hype around Safe Moon and different things right now, but all this always ends in tears. It's happened. This isn't just the first time this has happened. It's happened in the last cycle too, and more than likely the one before that. So don't get sucked in and caught into stuff because it's been promoted on Facebook. Actually have a good understanding, just like you would if you were to invest in a stock. You'd like to understand the company. Like if I said to you now, you know, go and invest in Tesla, you could have a good idea of why I'm saying that or what Tesla is because you know what it is. If I say to you, go and invest in some random crypto project because my friend said it's going to 100x, you, would you just jump in it? You might as well go and play roulette and chuck everything on black in the casino. It's, you've, got to, you've got to have some sort of understanding and understand the use case of some of these projects just in case things do go sour. Comes back to what I was saying earlier in terms of people need to learn to think for themselves a little bit and do their own research. 100%. And it's, um, this is what fascinates me with uh, different realms of everything in life, whether it's fitness, finances, family, whatever, is like the same habits and same practices 
if you learn those right habits and practices, which is what we teach our clients, like you can apply that to anything. And it's exactly the same principles. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we looking at like the long-term outlook of Bitcoin, people are looking at this as digital gold. Right now, the main use case for Bitcoin is, as they say, digital gold. That's what they say. The network effect is in full effect. Um, so when you look at if it's going to become digital gold, gold's market cap is like $10 trillion. Bitcoin just surpassing sort of $1 trillion. It shows you the upside, you know, and if you look at the gold to Bitcoin ratio and, and the growth of it, then obviously it speaks for itself. And people still are looking at Bitcoin as this sort of speculative asset. Now, it's withstood the test of time. It's the best performing asset over the last 10 years, five years and the past 12 months and the best performing asset um, this year as far as, uh, you know, uh, a widely known asset. You know, there's a few other cryptos that have done wonders, but as far as a solid asset that stood the test of time, it's the best performing asset over the last 10 years. So when people say to me, it's speculation, well, of course it is. It's still in price discovery. But the fact that it's the best performer of the last 10 years, surely that says something. So when people are sort of still up in the air and they're still stuck in sort of a tunnel vision mindset because they're in an asset that's always performed, people need to start thinking, you know, look, just because it hasn't happened in your lifetime doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So people need to definitely have have an open-minded opinion going into crypto and blockchain um, because it's going to definitely change your life. And I'm not even, I'm not even, um, it's not even speculation to me. I I 100% believe that, blockchain is going to affect every single asset class as we know it and blockchain is going to affect most industries if not all industries and so is crypto of interest here's an interesting question for you how do you think blockchain or crypto could affect the fitness industry good question hmm i'm not going to say what i, I said the other day about that that uh yeah. that idea i had because I, I need to implement that because yeah, yeah yeah don't don't say that um i won't, won't give away the secret yeah. Um, are you are you talking sort of like gyms or are you talking anything just from a functionality point of view of like I don't know gym systems memberships or, or or anything? Well, I think the transactional issues in memberships at times, like you know, there's still people in gyms around the UK and around the world that are paying cash and this and that. All of that's going to be changed. I think the speed of transactions is going to change. The the lenders that are involved and the payment systems involved are going to change. So even say, I don't know, like, I don't want to take it back to coaching because coaching is a broad subject, but if for, for the companies that hold people's payments and sometimes they don't pay out for X amount of time, a lot of this is going to be able to be instant. So I think from a payment point of view is definitely going to affect it. As far as um, a practical point of view in gyms, it's hard to say right now how it's going to affect it. Um, because it's, 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 yeah, it's like sort of fitness. I'm looking at fitness as in like weights and stuff and gyms. Maybe I'm missing a point here, but I think the payments is probably the, the easiest thing to say and this thing that you discussed before. But I think that it's going to be, yes, it's hard for me to see how it would affect it as far as a practical side of it as of yet. Yeah, there's, I can see something like a vision or something, but I'm not quite sure what it is yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that obviously the VR side of stuff that'd be insane. Uh, and the, the metaverse side of stuff, I think that's going to affect it in 
probably um, a bit of a weird way. Um, you know, you could be in your real life, you could, you could be sort of um, <clears throat> either very skinny or very overweight. And then in your metaverse avatar, you could be some, you know, really hench person. So I, 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 it, I don't know, it's going to be, and you could only know somebody in that sort of VR world. And I know this sounds very crazy what we're talking about. People haven't researched the metaverse, etc. But again, this is something that you're going to be owning assets, digital assets inside another world from a virtual reality point of view. And pretty much everything is going to be digitized around the world. And I think that the, the better and quicker you become sort of open-minded to it and start researching it that, that we never had this chance in our lives right so every single time something happens usually the institutions are first to make the most of it before us retail investors get a chance to really jump on board this time is the first time ever that us as retail investors get a chance to explore something because a lot of these institutions can't even entertain something with such a low market cap. So we can, we actually have access to, to something that other people don't yet, especially like the, the higher ups of the world. So yeah, I think that it'd be crazy for someone not to try and explore this and understand it and go, not go all the way down the rabbit hole, but just to have a good understanding on how blockchain and crypto is going to affect the world. It's uh, a saying I, I strongly believe very strongly in, and that's knowledge is power. So you just need to have the knowledge and get yourself informed. Um, and on that that note, one of the things I would highly recommend people sign up for if they still can, which I had the pleasure of being on, was your crypto challenge. It was a five-day yeah. challenge, which I learned a ton on. So that was a, a real uh, intensive, fast way to learn and scale up. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, is that still available for people to sign up for? It is until tomorrow, um, but there will be um, an option to view it back at some point in the near future as well. Um, it was on sort of a bit of a deadline, so there's, there's still going to be an option to do it. So if you sort of follow me wherever, you'll, you'll see me post it up um, at some point again. But yeah, we sort of covered pretty much everything at a very fast pace over five hours in five days, and I squeezed as much in as I could. <laughs> um question for you what, what motivates you um i feel like you know you only live once so i feel that i want to try and push myself as far as i can push myself and you know as much as sort of monetary monetary value and base monetary based things shouldn't be the only thing that you focus on i do see the way some people live and i want to continue to grow so if i if i you know achieve a goal that I before thought was a long way away, then instantly my next goal is way bigger. So I'm somebody that I motivate myself, but more recently, especially over the last five or six years, giving my children that opportunity. So I, the biggest motivation for me is freedom, freedom of choice, waking up and being able to choose what I do and where I want to be every single day. That's the biggest motivation for me, which obviously is based around money to a certain extent um and for me to the stuff that i've had to go out and learn because my dad was always working all the hours and working away a lot where i look back and think okay he had a lot of knowledge that he could have passed down to me if he automated or had that freedom of choice rather than working so much and i could never stop working because i love it i love growing but being able to have the choice to block out time in the diary 
and really work on, um, for one, showing my kids the world and two, passing the knowledge on when they're ready for it that gives them that sort of fast track in life. And even if there's something they don't want to do, at least they have the knowledge to do it if they do want to do it. Like, you know, I want them to be able to do what is whatever they want to do, regardless of what that is. If they don't want to be an entrepreneur, then cool. But I want them to have the knowledge so they don't have to get caught in the traditional system of the way it is if they don't want to. So, was, but yeah, so my kids and freedom of choice is the two biggest things that motivate me. On that next note, what does the future, future hold for D. Ludlow? Um, so I'm in the process of buying businesses in certain industries. Um, I'm really fascinated how this works. So you can build them up to a group of companies and then sell to you know family offices or private equity. Um, that's something that I'm really interested in. Um, I want to continue to try and automate my life through... Um, diversifying across different assets globally. And so not just based in the UK, but the entire world, being able to pick up as many, many residencies as I can to have that freedom of movement. And yeah, I got a hundred million goal, a hundred million pound goal that I don't care if it takes me 20 years, that's my goal. And I'm not going to settle for anything less. Um, so the future for me, you know, it can go in, in different directions, but I do believe like buying businesses is probably the, the one way to really build wealth. So I'm really focused on that right now. And yeah, just continue, continuing to diversify. And I'm really, really passionate about coaching. Um, so that's something I'm focused on a lot more now. I've been able to automate other aspects of my life. And, you know, one of the first things I wanted to be when I was a kid, when I was 15, like I was telling you, was when I seen those speakers on stage at the Rich Dad, Poor Dad seminar, um, which that book changed my life back then, I loved the fact they were delivering that sort of knowledge to people who could take it along with them. So my dad said to me, like, what, what is it you want to be? And I, yeah, I wanted to be a basketball player. I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be all these different things. But I was, I want to be a life coach because I, I love to see, I love motivating people. If people take something from me, I love seeing, I'm really passionate about it. And I've had to do a lot, spend a lot of money on myself and invest in myself on courses and mentorships and a lot of my time has gone into finding things out because someone couldn't tell me it now. And everything out there is very, very high ticket to learn. Like for instance, if you just wanted to learn property, a lot of the, the, the entry points is like over 20 K. So I like to create a sort of a program where people can acquire information on various different things, um, for substantially less than they would pay for one thing. So, you know, and as time goes and then obviously prices increase, that's just the way it is. But I've sort of consolidated a very strong team of different advisors and people around the world that's very experienced in this. So for me, that's another big part of my future. I want to grow the coaching side of it because I'm really passionate about helping people. I'm not just a coach that, you know, is out there coaching just to earn a way of life. You know, I don't need to coach to earn a way of life. I've, you know, made decent decisions in my life, I think, to be able to live a decent life. But if I can pass that information on to other people, then, yeah, that's that's the golden thing for me. I, if, I could, if you can get paid to do what you love doing, then that's sort of the goal in life. That's what they say. So, yeah, the things I've mentioned, plus growing the coaching program to enable other people to experience the things that I have and sort of make try to make less mistakes. 
your passion for life is infectious which is why as soon as we met we clicked straight away and your uh enthusiasm for coaching is exactly the same as mine the fact you want people to experience the same life that you have and i feel like from a fitness side of things i want people to experience the life that i have and the way that i feel and i want to spread that because i don't think no one out there listening to this should just feel okay like fuck feeling okay you want to feel fucking amazing and like fuck living frugally you want to live the life like why live in mediocrity when you can have more and living in mediocrity is your own conscious choice um we'll wrap things up there because otherwise we'll talk about crypto for 10 years because I'll, <laughs> I'll drag you through this um mm. if you guys want to hear have d back on again uh, drop me a dm on instagram we can go through a bit more crypto stuff we're not gonna turn this into a full crypto podcast but yeah uh, we can go through that um if anyone to reach out to you directly d what's the best place to get in touch because i believe you've got some new coaching programs and uh, some other bits and pieces you do yeah, so um, on Instagram, which is D-E-E underscore Ludlow, so D Ludlow, and my website is dludlow.com. So if you did want to book a call with myself or one of the team to talk about how we could help you, then that's the website to go to. Legend. Thank you so much for your time today, dude. Really, really appreciate it. And for anyone listening, make sure you give uh, D a follow on Instagram. Uh, tag both myself and D and share yourself to your stories. And I'll pick one person this week to win a free place on the Shred Nate program as a thank you. And make sure you leave us a five-star review and we'll catch up with you in the next episode.